North Dakota decides, sure, we're going to appeal after the Eighth Circuit uh, came down with their decision that could potentially change uh, I mean, the Voting Rights Act altogether on who is allowed and who is not allowed to challenge some of the lines that are drawn, some of the ability to go out and cast your ballot. Uh, the decision that North Dakota is appealing is one that was just handed down a matter of days ago. And uh, one of the individuals that was instrumental in getting uh, you know, this to where it was is Tim Pern, a former U.S. attorney, uh, U.S. state's attorney. Pardon me. You, <laughs> Tim, welcome to the show. You're currently with Kaplan, uh, Robbins Kaplan Law. I'm going to get there at some point. It's kind of my Friday. I'm treating it as such, unfortunately, early. Welcome back to the show, man. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Thanks for having me okay. on. This whole the, uh, path of how we got here of, uh, you know, this Eighth Circuit decision, North Dakota, uh, with uh, the ruling that it was going to have to go from the drawing boards all over again. Does this Eighth Circuit decision concern you about what's going to happen in North Dakota and beyond? Um, not really. Uh, the the uh, In our case, the tribes and the Native voters here, we, we pled and argued uh, strong arguments that they are proper plaintiffs, that they have a private cause of action uh, under some some. Sp- circumstances and statutes that were not present in the Eighth Circuit case that, that threw out the Arkansas decision. So we, we think that we have uh, the, the, the Eighth Circuit case very distinguishable. Uh, our clients didn't just sue under the Voting Rights Act uh, the way they did the, 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 the plaintiffs in Arkansas. We have other arguments. So we, we feel that case is distinguishable and it's not going to be controlling uh, on the North Dakota case. So so that that's good news from the perspective of folks who want to make sure that uh, Native Americans have uh, proper uh, representation in the state legislature. Uh, that decision in North Dakota, uh, based on those maps, uh, gave a deadline of December 22nd to get a remedy put together. This appeal is likely going to change that. Uh, w- what comes next now that the Secretary of State, Michael Howe, with uh, you know some consultation with the Attorney General, Drew Wrigley, and legislative leadership? I know Michael LaFour put out a statement earlier uh, basically saying that this is going to bide them more time. What comes next? I mean, what's the response from your clients as to this appeal process? Well, they've announced they're going to appeal. They haven't actually appealed yet, and they've got some time to do that. Of course, every day that ticks by, we get closer to the next election cycle in 2024. And, you know, I think it's important to remember this. You know, the Eighth Circuit case was all about who can bring one of these lawsuits, right? Can individual people, voters, can they bring lawsuits, or is it limited to only the Department of Justice? But let's, let's just reset where we are. Regardless of whether tribes in North Dakota or native voters in North Dakota or perhaps eventually the Department of Justice files a suit challenging the North Dakota map, regardless of that, Judge Wealthy, a federal judge in a well-reasoned opinion, has found that the current legislative map in North Dakota violates the Voting Rights Act. He has ruled that this map is illegal. Now, we can, you know, again, we feel confident in our case. Uh, the KCA the circuit decided on Monday, it doesn't say that this map complies with the Voting Rights Act. It says, oh, well, we've got to make sure the right people are bringing the lawsuit. Well, I mean, that's not really probative of, of the legality of the map. And so, I mean, I, I'll speak for myself, the legal team and the tribes. I mean, we were hopeful that the state of North Dakota might might move to to remedy this, and and we're we're very disappointed that they've they've not done the right thing and moved to fix what a federal judge has declared is an illegal map under the Voting Rights Act. 
Tim Purden, our guest, a former U.S. attorney uh, that, that represented the tribes now uh, with his uh, current venture with his uh, Robbins Kaplan Law, chair of the American Indian Law and Policy Group here. Explain to people that might not have been caught up to what the the argument was from our tribal neighbors as to what their concerns were with the map as it was drawn this last time. Well, you know, the, 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 the map that was drawn um, in this last process, the tribes uh, came forward and said, listen, um, as far as Turtle Mountain and Spirit Lake are concerned, the way that you can build districts that comply with the Voting Rights Act is to put those two reservations in the same district. And you can draw a, a very reasonably compact district. It, it doesn't look any any sort of more squiggly than a lot of other districts that, that have been enacted. It's, it's a compact, compact map. You can do that. You can put these two tribes together, and in doing so, you will, you will comply with the Voting Rights Act. The, the legislature rejected that, that idea. Not only did the tribes come forward with that uh, before the maps were finally adopted, I mean, there was a, a move in the committee to, to amend the, the maps that we got to do that. That was voted down by the Republican majority. Um, the, uh, uh, and as a result, you ended up with, with a map that puts all of Turtle Mountain into a single sub-district to elect a single House member. That, it, it, our lawsuit contended, and Judge Welty held that that illegally packs minority voters into a single district and minimizes the number of people they can, they can elect. And then it also puts Spirit Lake into a, a largely uh, non-native district. Uh, which is uh, under the right under the language of the Voting Rights Act, it it cracks the Spirit Lake Nation from other similar communities uh, like Turtle Mountain and illegally violates the 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 uh, Voting Rights Act this way. Now that's not just what I think. That's not just what we and and my my colleagues at the Native American Rights Fund, Campaign Legal Center, uh, uh, from uh, nonprofit, and my my friend Brian Sells, the lawyers on the case. That's not just what we argued. That's what Judge Welty, that's what the U.S. District Federal Court found last Friday, that the maps are illegal under the Voting Rights Act. Again, we have this, we have this decision Monday by the Eighth Circuit on who, who can bring a lawsuit, but that, <laughs> that decision doesn't change anything about Judge Welty's analysis that this is an illegal map. And so to, to, to say, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe uh, uh, again, I'll just say it this way, regardless of whether the tribes sue or native voters sue or eventually the Department of Justice brings a lawsuit here, Judge Welty's found this is an illegal map. Rather than address that, try and fix that, the legislature has decided to, to, to appeal, which has the, could have the impact, depending on how long their appeal takes, of uh, having another election take place under an illegal map. And again, of course, there's the cost involved. You know, the state of North Dakota is paying for its lawyers to handle this case. If we prevail under the Voting Rights Act, the state of North Dakota taxpayers are going to have to pay the legal fees of the tribe as well. So there's tremendous cost with continuing this litigation as well. Well, in my my view of this, uh, of why they're gripping onto this appeal is because, look, they've already been embarrassed once by having to call a special session because they got caught doing something unconstitutional. And uh, to have to do that all over again in less than one month's time, they're trying to avoid that by any means necessary. There's that and the fact that they don't want to have the uh, the opportunity to lose a seat or two potentially in the House or in the North Dakota Senate. Now, I've already got people pointing out about the voting trends in North Dakota and what that might mean. But those are the two things that I point to as to why they were probably cheering when uh, the, the Eighth Circuit comes down because, hey, look, they had an out 
They've got a way of which it can kick this can down the road. But as you're pointing out, Tim, time's ticking, not only because of the wealthy decision saying, look, get this remedy by December 22nd, but because it's an election year next year, and we've got to have a full understanding of what those lines are. Yeah, we got to have a legal map. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know how anyone would disagree with that. I mean, that's as straight of an answer as you can get. you got to have something that is legal to abide by to know where you're voting, who you're voting for, and what district you belong to. Uh, Tim, that bigger step, that that dis, uh, that Eighth Circuit decision, I'm just curious your general opinion of if, in fact, that's upheld in the Supreme Court saying that basically those that have been disenfranchised, those that have been oppressed, by these individuals who are in power don't have an ability to to challenge those. It has to come from the Department of Justice. I, I'm not comfortable with that at all. You formerly of the, the DOJ, as a former U.S. attorney, I'm curious your response to that. Yeah, and again, I think our case is very distinguishable yeah. because we sued under other statutes. Let's make that clear. But even stepping beyond that, you know, the, the for, you know, for decades and decades and throughout hundreds and hundreds of cases, a private right of action has been applied and assumed under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. You know, the U.S. Supreme Court just affirmed uh, a Section 2 case in Alabama that asked the Alabama legislature to redistrict uh, congressional seats there. Uh, that was brought by private litigants um, under Section 2. That, I mean, that just happened in the last few months. So the Eighth Circuit's decision uh, from yesterday, I mean, I'll just note that I, I, think, I think that you can say, I'll say that I think that that decision is incompatible with the, the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in the Alabama case from just earlier this year. And again, there are decades and decades and hundreds and hundreds of cases that have recognized the, the and applied, I should say, they have applied a private right of action in this circumstance. Yeah, well, I, and I know that some of us around here were already talking about the Supreme Court makeup and some of the recent decisions, as you're pointing to, of where maybe there'll be a little light at the end of the tunnel given this recent decision. But you're, you're well within your right to point out that decision and what happened here with the wealthy decision, siding with you, siding with our Native American neighbors, totally separate in the eyes of where we're at right now. But, you know, when you look just long term, it kind of sends those ripple effects that gets us asking some of those questions. Tim, anything that I missed before I let you go? No, thanks for having me on, Tyler. Yeah, I appreciate it. You take care until next time. Tim Purr, former U.S. attorney. And uh, quite frankly, one of those great attorneys that's now with uh, Robbins Kaplan Law. He's a chair of American Indian Law and Policy Group that represented the tribes in this case. Your thoughts, 35270. It's the Adventure RV Text Club. Of course, the Lightning Studio line is open at 237-5948. You, me, this microphone, your cell phone, the whole rest of the way here on After News Live. Don't go anywhere.